You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. We have been in a series on the names of God throughout June and July. This is the last one, and we covered about nine different names of God. There are more names than that, but these are nine prominent ones. And today we're going to talk about the Father who gives you identity. The name for this is Jehovah Nisi, or the Lord our banner, the Lord our flag, the Lord our standard. This name gets introduced to us in Exodus chapter 17. Your note says Exodus chapter 17 verse 5. That's a mistake. We put that in there just to let you know that we're human. We make mistakes around here. No, it should be Exodus chapter 17 verse 15. So if you've... uh, got your pen there, you can change it to Exodus 17, verse 15. This is a story where uh, Moses is leading the people. They've come out of Israel. They've crossed the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness, and they're getting really thirsty. They haven't had water for a long time. And they come to Moses, and they're complaining. They're murmuring. Moses goes to God, and he says, God, you know, what am I going to do with these people? They're murmuring. They're complaining. I don't know what to do as far as giving them water. And God instructs him to take his staff and hit the mountain, and water will come out of that. It's, it's an amazing miracle. There's about 2 million people. You need a lot of water for 2 million people. He strikes a rock. Water comes out, and their thirst is satisfied. After they're satisfied, they're at a place that in the Hebrew means to rest, to relax. And so they rest and relax. And while they're resting and relaxing, their enemy sneaks up on them and is about to pounce on them, and they have a wake-up call. And that's pretty typical in life. After we have a major victory in our life, that's when the enemy sneaks up on us. Because after a major victory or a major miracle, guess what? We tend to relax. We tend to, I'm just going to coast. I'm just going to be at ease for a while. And it's at that point, our enemy's figured out humanity, and he'll often sneak up on us. And that's what happened in this story. Moses turns to Joshua, his young assistant, says, Joshua, we've got to do something about this. You go down into the battle, and I'll go up on the mountain, and I'm going to be praying. So Joshua goes down and takes a man. He goes into battle. Moses goes up on the mountain, and he begins to pray. He doesn't just pray. He holds out his staff over the people as they're in battle. His arms get tired. He's got two assistants with him. Aaron and her, Aaron and her, set him down on a rock. It's hard to stand there for hours with your hands lifted up. You know, we're challenged to stand for three or four songs with our hands lifted up sometimes. You can imagine standing there for hours in the heat and having your hand raised over the battle. So Aaron and her come beside him and they prop up his hands so that he can extend them over the people. Now, as long as his hand is over the people with his staff, they win the battle. But if hands get tired and he lowers them, the people begin to lose. At the end of the day, they win the battle. And then God speaks to Moses. He says, this is a really, really important event, and we better take note of it and write it down. And he tells him, um, in chapter 17 and verse 15 or 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book, and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot a remembrance of Amok under heaven. And he encouraged them, you've got to write this thing down, And make it a memorial. As a result of it, Moses calls that place, the Lord is my banner, or the Lord is my flag, or literally in the Hebrew, Jehovah Nissi. He's our flag, our banner. And he he props that up into the people's minds. It's really important for Joshua, because Joshua's going to have other battles in his life that are coming, and he needs to remember that God won this battle. So Moses gives us this name that is characteristic of our God. 
Do you remember Daniel chapter 11, verse 32? We've been going through the names of God, and it's kind of become our theme verse. We can put it up on the screen. It's also in your notes. It says in Daniel 11, 32, let's read it out loud together. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Now, we've got to read it one more time, and let's really put something behind it. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but inside of you is a great exploit. There is something big on the inside of you. Would you turn to your neighbor and just tell them, you have a great exploit inside you? So what is an exploit? I'm not sure I want that. Yeah, you do. A great exploit. There's something great on the inside of you. Now, here's the deal. That great exploit that's inside of you, it is bigger than you are. It's bigger than your strength. It's bigger than your finances. It's bigger than your ability. It will take God plus you to get it done. God intentionally designs it that way that you'll have to trust God to do it. The key to doing it is to know God, to know his characteristics, to know what he's like. If we know him, we're going to be strong and do the exploits. Today we're going to examine Jehovah Nissi. What is the significance of a banner? What's the significance of a flag? We would say flag, they said banner. They raised up banners, they went into war, they had a banner. We have banners on the back wall, we put banners on buildings, we have different banners, but really it's flag. Think flag and you'll get the picture. God is our flag. So what does that mean? Flags mean something to us, it meant something to them. First of all, flags mean identity. It's your identity. As a Canadian, you have a certain identity. We asked the crowd last night, we said, okay, when you think of Canada, what is our identity? And these are some of the profound and deep things that our church came up with last night. They said our identity is Tim Hortons. That was part of our Canadian identity. They said part of our Canadian identity is a beaver. Part of our Canadian identity, of course, is hockey. Hockey is Canada. And then our identity was the Mounties, who always get their man. And then there is our identity of maple syrup. So that's our Canadian identity. And you could add other things to that. And when you think of Canada, you can think of something. But that's your identity as a Canadian. There you go. But what is your identity spiritually? You have a spiritual identity under a spiritual flag. There is a flag in Canada. There's also a flag in the spiritual realm. Really, there's only two flags in the spiritual realm. There's a flag that flies over the kingdom of light, and there's a flag that flies over the kingdom of darkness. And when you said, God, come into my life, you came underneath his flag, and you have an identity in him. As much as a Canadian, we have a certain identity. There's also an identity that we have as a Christian, as a believer. That identity is important to us. It shows who we are. Now, your thief, your enemy... The devil says, the Bible says, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He would like to steal your identity. Have you heard of identity thieves in Canada in 2006? The stats were 8,000 people, close to 8,000 people had their identity stolen in Canada. When you have your identity stolen, you feel very, very violated. You feel like somebody has absolutely just, they've taken your, your social insurance number, they've taken your bank account number, and you feel like for some people it takes them years to rebuild their life. They can't get credit. Some have trouble leaving the country. You're very violated when, you're, when your identity is stolen. And it really affects your future, and it could possibly affect your inheritance. Well, the enemy, when he comes to steal in our lives, he's after your future. 
Really, he can't uh, steal your identity, but he can confuse you about your identity. And if he gets your identity, he gets your future, and he also gets your inheritance. Think about it. When people come to Canada and say, I want to become a Canadian citizen, and they immigrate to this country, and a lot of us here today, we have immigrated to Canada. We've come into this land. Why did we immigrate to Canada, or why did our parents or grandparents immigrate to this country? Most of them will say, I came to this country because I wanted a better future for my children. So I came to this land. I came under the Canadian flag so that I could have a better future. And when you are under the banner or the flag of Jehovah Nissi, you have a much better future. When I went from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, one thing I knew for certain is that I had a better future. Not just on this earth, but for all eternity, I had a better future underneath that flag. So Jehovah Nissi, the God, our banner, says, under my flag, you'll have a better future. Immigrate to me. Come over to my life, and I'll prompt you or give you a better future. So this is identity. Titus chapter 2, verse 14 says, He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people. Under that flag, totally committed to doing what is right. If you missed last week's message, we talked about Jehovah Makedus, the God who sanctifies, the God who calls us to be holy, for he is holy. It's our identity. There's a true story of what happened in Denver. They were rebooking a flight. Long lineup getting rebooked. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. We were flying one time from, from here to Australia, and we had plane problems in Hawaii, and so they had to rebook the flight, and we were back and forth from the airport four times, and by that time, people's patience was gone. There was nobody, was, nobody really was nice anymore. They just wanted to get on the plane and get going, and we had this lineup, and, and I can imagine what this lineup in Denver was like. One agent handling all these people that weren't very happy, and so this long lineup, and this guy pushes his way to the very front, and he gets to the front, and, he, and there's one lady, one agent, and he slaps down his ticket, and he says, I want to get on this plane, and I want my first-class seat, and he's just demanding his first-class seat. And she's very patient. She's, she's tired, but she's just very nice. She said, sir, you're going to have to go back into the lineup like everybody else. I have to help these people first. And then he gets really upset. Everybody hears what he says, and he says, do you have any idea who I am? And without missing a beat, she reached over and she grabbed that little microphone, you know, and she went on the intercom over the entire airport. She said, ladies and gentlemen, we have a man at gate 27 who has lost his identity. If you would know who he is, could you please report to gate 27? And the whole airport erupted into applause. They just, they knew what was going on. They just cheered. And this poor guy, he kind of sheepishly got back into line. And that was the end of it. He lost his identity. Good thing about under our flag is we can know our identity. Don't ever lose your identity. Jehovah to see the banner. Under that flag, we have identity. Then secondly, we learn from this flag or this banner that we're under is unity. God brings us together in unity. Last night, or yesterday afternoon, when I was getting ready, there was a lot of honking outside on Georgia Street, which isn't uncommon. Often there's honking and noise and because this is a celebration street and something's going on. And yesterday, the 
uh, Iranian community were having a rally for freedom in their country. It was amazing. They had people lined up all down the street. They had balloons in their hands. Flags were over their shoulders, and they were all together, and they were rallying for freedom in their country. It was a great rally, well done, all the rest of it. But I, I noticed on one of their signs that they carried was United for Iran. And what brought them together was a flag. What brought them together was this common cause. It unified them. And they were from all walks of life, and they were from all different uh, 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 levels of society and whatnot, lived in different places, but they came together in downtown Vancouver. They were united underneath a flag. And you know what? We're united underneath the flag of our God. We're brought together underneath that flag. Remember that baptismal video? You had young people, you had old people, different nationalities. We were all unified under one flag. One of the reasons we like things like More Than Gold, the, the organization that's bringing all the churches together for the Olympics, is because we see that as we gather together, there's something unifying. We're under one banner. Lots of different churches in Vancouver, lots of great churches, different flavors, and it's great. God's a God of variety, but we're under one flag, under one banner that unifies us together. He brings us together. I hope Canada never gets invaded. Uh, I don't know if Canada has been invaded. Maybe way back when in the plains of Abraham, Canada was invaded, but we can't really remember it, at least our generation. But if we were invaded, you know what would happen as Canadians? We would put aside our petty little differences, those little things that really bug us, and we would all rally together and say, no way, you will not have the freedom in our country. We will stand for freedom in our land. There would be something that would bring us together. What is it? It's that flag that flies above us. It's that that brings us together. Likewise, in the spiritual realm, we rally underneath the flag, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our banner. Wherever we're unified, God says that's where he commands the blessing. Uh, what else does a flag signify? It also signifies safety. Safety. Here's a picture of a, of a safety net that was underneath a bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. When they built this bridge, the engineers, before they even started, they calculated that for every million dollars they spent, they were going to lose one life. And so it was just expected they were going to lose so many lives building the bridge. They started the construction. They had all kinds of safety precautions. You mandatory had to wear a hard hat, which was kind of new for back then. Today, it's standard procedure. They had lines to tie off on. That was a new thing. They had special glasses that gave people that they would filter out the dust and so forth. And they had all these different safety devices. But the project started. They said, you know, this is not enough. And they came up with something new to bridge building, but very old for the circus. And they put a safety net underneath the construction workers. And as they built, the safety net went along with them. Nineteen guys fell into the safety net. And they had a club that they formed, those 19 guys. It was called Halfway to Hell. Now, I don't know why they didn't call it Halfway to Heaven, but it was called Halfway to Hell. And this is what caught them is that safety net. This is a picture of your Jehovah Nissi. He is your safety net. The closer you are to a flag, the safer you are. If you go into war, you look for your flag and you know you're safe at your flag. If you're traveling to another country and you lose your passport, what do you do? You look for that embassy. You look for the consulate general. You say, I got to get to the Canadian flag. If I get there, I can get my passport reestablished. At my flag, I'm safe. You ever play capture the flag and those type of games? There's something about the flag. If you're at the flag, you're safe. 
Well, when you're underneath the banner of Jehovah Nissi, you're in a safe place. They found something interesting about those guys. When, when they put that net underneath them, strangely enough, the productivity of all the workers really increased. You know why it increased? Because they felt they were safer taking risks. When they were up there on those beams, sometimes 300 feet above that water, it wasn't just being high. There was a lot of winds that were up there, and uh, they called their, their work the dance of death because they were, they were swayed back and forth so much. But after that net went underneath them, there was a fresh confidence that the workers had because they knew, if I do fall, I'm going to be caught in a net. This is your God. Jehovah Nissi. Every one of us here today are taking some type of risks. If we're living for God, if we're living by faith, if we're building a company, if we're working somewhere, if we're going to school, whatever we're doing, family, having children, getting married, whatever it is, there's a certain risk involved with our faith. And that's good. Faith has an element of risk to it. But God is saying today, I am your Jehovah Nissi. I am your banner. I am your safety. Stay close to me. Should you stumble, my net will catch you. Do you remember Peter when he walked on the water? He got his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. Jesus was that safety net. He reaches out and he pulls him back up and he sets him back on the water. This is your God. And as we stay close underneath that banner, underneath that flag, there is a safety net underneath us. Look at Psalm chapter 91, verses 1 to 2. It's there in your notes. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow, under the banner, under the flag of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. This is Psalm 91. Folks, you got 911 on your telephone, right? When do you call that? When you're in trouble. This is Psalm 91 in the spiritual realm. When you're in trouble, dial this psalm. This is a good one to mark in your Bible. This is a good one to memorize. No Psalm 911. It's powerful. Uh, it brings to mind a story. I didn't share this at the other services, but it, it, it's a good story to share here. We were in, living in Calgary, and one of our, our friends, he was going downtown in Calgary, and he was sharing Christ on the street. And he says, hey, David and Cheryl, will you come with me tomorrow? There's this lady I was talking to on the street, and, and I really don't know what to say. Why don't you come, and, Cheryl especially, you come talk to her. And so we went down the street, and we met her. She was there, and she was a prostitute that worked on the street. And so we... We, she said, let's go for pizza. Oh, okay. So we, she, she waves down a cab, and we jump in the back, my friend, Cheryl, and I, and this prostitute. And we, we go off to a pizza. And I'm thinking in the back of the car, so are we going for pizza, or are we going somewhere else? Are we going to go visit a pimp, or where are we going? Like, I'm just a little naive. Anyhow, we end up at a pizza place. I was relieved to get to the pizza place. This is good. We're at the pizza place. And she orders pizza, and uh, we have pizza. We talk about her life. And, uh, and her uncle was a bus driver in Winnipeg. And she says, my uncle's like you. He always talks about Jesus. He talks about how God could use my life. And, and I'm sure he's praying for me right now. And you're probably an answer to his prayer. As well, we probably are. And so we had a great talk about God and so forth. And then she told us something very interesting. She said, my uncle told me to learn Psalm 91. She says, and I memorized Psalm 91. She says, it's the only part of the Bible that I really know. She says, but you know what? When I've had a knife pulled on me or somebody has threatened me, I always speak at them Psalm 91, and it has never failed me yet. So here is this woman, and she didn't know much of the Bible, but her uncle said, speak Psalm 91, and God will protect you. 
And she said, it's true, he has. It was an amazing story. God can do that for her. He'll also do it for you. It's a good psalm to learn, Psalm 91. Have that flag flying over your life. I believe after that, she didn't come to the Lord that day, but I believe she would. She had an uncle who wouldn't quit praying, and, and we believe that God was really working in her life. Then fourthly, a flag also represents honor. Honor. We honor the flag. Uh, when we go to a hockey game, we sing, Oh, Canada, right? And everybody stands up to sing. If they don't stand up, we sing, What's wrong with you? How come you're not singing? We, we, really? Don't you? If somebody doesn't stand up to sing, you say, Are you, are you okay? You don't like our flag? What's the problem? Come on, stand up, sing. <laughs> really? Yeah, we're singing, Oh, Canada. So we, we honor the flag. And it's the same thing. Oh, you know, when you travel, do you. Uh, if you're Canadian, now we may have some other guests from different countries this morning, but as Canadians, when we're traveling, we like to wear a Canadian pin, right? We have a Canadian backpack, or we wear a, a, a roots cap, you know, we say, you know, I am Canadian. Yeah, because we want to be Canadian. Yeah, anyhow. Uh, what do we do when we do that? We're honoring the flag, and we should honor our Lord even more than we honor our flag. Just a thought. So, honor. The flag encourages us to honor our God. Look at Revelation 4.11. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Like Cheryl mentioned last night, we had fireworks from heaven. I don't know if he's going to be on the ballot list or not, but I think God wins the fireworks for 2009. It was something else. It was just electric, no pun intended. Anyhow, that's bad. Okay, the next one is standards. Number five is standards. And uh, as we raise the flag up, they're going to put up a slide for you. Here you go. This is a, a very famous picture of a flag being raised. The American flag being raised at Iwo Jima in 1945, I believe, they raised this flag there, and it was an incredible battle that led to them to be able to raise this flag. You can see the guys kind of uh, pushing to get that flag up, and as that flag went up, it represented that this land will now have the standards that are underneath this flag. When a country conquers another land, what's the first thing they do? They pull down the flag of that country and they put up the flag of the new country. And that means that new country, that country now is under the control of the new flag. This land was now under the control of the Americans because they put their flag there. And when Jesus came into your life, you took down the flag of me and you put up the flag of Jesus. He said, Jesus, you are in control of my life. I kind of messed things up. It wasn't going so good. I'm taking down this flag, and I'm putting up a new flag. He's a flag that's flown high. We used to sing that song in Sunday school. Joy is a flag flown high. Did anybody know that? In the castle of my heart. One person in front. Thank you. Two. Very good. Okay. Some of you know that song. That's good to know. Yeah. Anyhow, flags. They talk about, they mean standards. Another word for Nisi is standard. And when you raise the flag, you raise the standard. That's where we got the expression from. Let's raise the standard. It means let's raise the flag. There are certain standards under God's flag. And if we live by those standards, life is much better than if we compromise on the standards. If we compromise on the standards of our country, our country would be in a mess. 
We have certain standards when it comes to driving in our country, certain standards for our roads. If you've traveled in other countries, you're probably glad we've got standards in our country. Some countries I've driven in and I've gone to on different trips, I like to sit in the back and close my eyes. You just tell me when we get there. And I hope it's okay because it's crazy the way they drive. I don't know how they get, do it. But I'm glad we've got standards in our country. We have standards when it comes to... Uh, immigration, there's certain standards. We have certain standards on drug control. We have certain standards. Some need to be improved and uh, some don't. But we have standards in our country. Likewise, there's standards under that flag that we need to live by. One of the things I love about our flag, our spiritual flag, is from Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4. This speaks uh, of our God. He has taken me to the banquet hall and his banner over me is love. One of the standards of God's kingdom is his banner over us is love. When you get under God's flag, there's a banner of love flowing in your life. We used to sing this years ago in full gospel businessmen's meetings. Somebody might know it. He brought me to his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. See, this? some of you guys in the front row know this. I like that. He brought me. How many know that song? Wow, we should be singing that song. Half of you guys know it. There we go. Anyhow, we're not because I can't lead it. (laughs) Anyhow, the next one is strength. Number six is strength. Underneath that flag is strength. What it means is when you plant that flag in your life, it means that whatever is behind that flag is behind you. If you go to war and you see a certain flag, you go, oh boy, that flag represents that army. When I was reading the stories in Mongolia about uh, uh, their their nation and uh, earlier on under the leadership of um, brain freeze, um, Genghis Khan, thank you under Chinggis Khan, and when they would go, they'd they'd run out with their banners, and the horses would rise with those banners, and when the other armies saw the banners, they'd go, oh, no, it's Chinggis Khan, and we know what that banner represents. Well, you have a banner, and when you plant your flag in your battle, your spiritual battle, your enemy knows what that flag represents. It represents that he was defeated At Calvary, the Bible says he made an open display of him as being defeated. And when you plant that flag in your life, every power of darkness trembles. The Bible says, resist the enemy and he shall flee from you. How do you resist him? Plant that flag in the middle of your battle. Look what David did in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. He is talking to Saul and he tells Saul, look, the Lord has saved me from the claws of the lion and the bear, and he'll save me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. He's all right, go ahead. He said, and may the Lord be with you. What was David saying? David was saying, I was under the banner of my God when I beat the lion. I was under the flag of my God when I beat the bear. And now there's this guy I got to fight, but I am underneath a banner, underneath his flag, and God will fight with me. When Goliath taunted him, he said, and everyone gathered here will learn that God doesn't save by means of sword or spear. The battle belongs to God. Goliath, I got news for you. You think you're fighting some little kid. You're not fighting me. You're fighting my God. Sorry for you. But guess what? 
I am not fighting you. My God is fighting you. I transfer the battle to him. I'm planting a flag over this battle, and it's Jehovah Nissi. You're not fighting me. You're fighting my God. And he really believed that. And you too, in the battles that you have in your life, you can plant God there. My question for you this morning is, who, what flag is flying in your life? Do you have a battle? Is your battle drugs? Is your battle pornography? Is your battle a family battle? Is it a financial battle? Is it a bankruptcy battle? Whatever your battle is, take and plant this flag there, like Moses reminded us to, that Jehovah Nissi, our banner, our God, will fight for us and through us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.